by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Jesus said, come follow me. There was a guy in a tax booth named Matthew. He was sitting there minding his own business. (laughs) He had uh, began to collect taxes for the Romans. He was a Jewish fellow, but he he had decided to be a traitor to his people and, and go over to the Roman occupation and work for them. So he was hated. That's why they hated the tax collectors, because they often stole money and they, they were working for the enemy the way they viewed it. But Matthew's sitting there minding his own business, and Jesus walks in front of his booth and turns around and looks at him, knows his name, and says, Matthew, come follow me. Well, what would you have done? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got a big house, because we know later Jesus goes to it. He's got stuff. He's got a job. He's got a good job. Is he going to just give all that up? What does he know about Jesus? Who is this Jesus? How much does he know? I don't know. How much do you know about Jesus? Maybe he saw when he filled Peter's boat with fish. He saw that miracle. Maybe he he already heard about Jesus. I don't know. Maybe he thought to himself, I'm not worthy to follow Jesus. You know people like that? Maybe you feel a little bit like that. I'm not worthy. I'm an old tax collector. I'm a sinner. I don't know what went through Matthew's mind, but I tell you, when Jesus says, come follow me, just come follow. Same way with Peter. Peter was out there on a boat, caught nothing all night. Peter let Jesus use his boat to preach for a minute. and Then Jesus said, go put your net back down. And Peter's, uh, we didn't catch nothing all night. What, what do you know about fishing? We're professionals. <laughs> anyway, they caught more fish than two boats could hold, about sunk their boat. He's got enough fish in the boat now. He can pay off all his debts. He's pretty excited. But then he looks at Jesus and he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Just looking into the eyes of Jesus made him. You ever, sometimes when you think about God and stuff, you just think I'm not worthy. And Peter just had a moment where in, in the presence of holiness, he wanted to shrink back. But Jesus said, come follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. I doubt Peter even knew what he was talking about. What's Peter going to do? He's got a choice. He's probably thinking to himself, I can pay off my debts with all these fish, and if we go right back to that same place, we can empty the boat, and we go right back to that same place, and we can catch some more. Sometimes we think about, we get the blessing of God, and then we think it's all about the blessing, and we chase the golden egg instead of the goose, don't we? So he's probably thinking, I could just go back out there and I could be a rich man. Or I could follow the goose. You know, that's tempting sometimes. If you think about it like that, he could have been one of those where Jesus said, come follow me. And and he says, you know what? Jesus, when you come back through town and you preach again, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the crowd. Every Sunday, Jesus, 
I'm going to be in the crowd. But you know, I got my own things to do. I got my business and stuff. I, I'm not going to really follow you. But Jesus says to you today, come follow me. Come walk with me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And whatever you were doing before is going to be nothing in comparison with what I will do with your life. Do I hear an amen? See, he's not, he preached to the crowds, but he invested everything into his disciples. Do you want a little bit or do you want all? Well, then you're going to have to give all. Amen? Today's message, after last week being Resurrection Sunday, we're going to call it Life Beyond the Tomb. What do I do now? You know, we talk about that, that video that I posted on our uh, website that says, what do I do now that I'm saved? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But see, a resurrection necessitates a transformation. You can't just come out of the tomb and say, I'm, I'm going to be the same as I was in the tomb. If you do, something's wrong with you. Your whole future is just open up. The rest of your life has just begun. Your eyes have been, the scales have left your eyes. You're walking into a new life. You're going to stay the same as you was? Come on. But yet we see that in the church in America particularly. People, they get all excited about it and give their heart to Jesus. And then they don't talk to him again until next Sunday. But not us. You see, a little bit of faith, just a little bit of faith, size of a mustard seed will unlock, begin to unlock all the potential in your life. Unlock who you were created to be. And you were created for more than you recognize even now. God has plans beyond what your pea brain can, can comprehend. But you get a little faith rolling and it turns, man, a little faith can move a mountain. And some of us got, <clears throat> got mountains in front of our eyes. We can't see what God wants to do in our life. Faith took, took Moses from a murderer to a deliverer, right? David from a shepherd to a king. Gideon from a mighty mouse to a mighty man of God, ready to fight. He took Mary Magdalene. From totally ashamed to forever proclaimed. Because she was willing to lay, she was willing to break open her box and pour her life upon the Lord and anoint him with her life. And he says this will be proclaimed throughout all of history whenever this story is told. And here she was, probably the woman thrown at his feet, caught in adultery. From totally ashamed to forever proclaimed. Is that going to be your story? Come on now. But see, others, other, we, we lack the courage. We lack the courage to step out of the tomb and live life outside the tomb. And, and so we just slide back into the tomb. It's scary out here. We had confines in there. We knew that we weren't going to be nothing. We were happy with that. But now the stones are rolled away. All things are possible, and that's scary to you. I know. 
but he's going to be with you and walk it out each step. He's not going to take you at a pace that you can't handle, but you got to be willing to take him by the hand and walk it with him. Some people wouldn't. Judas being a prime example. He walked with Jesus for a while, but he slid back. Traded the pearl of a great price for a field of blood. And here Jesus says, you know, sell your field and all that you have and buy that pearl of a great price. But Judas did the opposite. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 it says, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I know there's no evil men in here, probably, hopefully. <laughs> but I sure hope there's no impostors either. I hope there's no pretenders. Because you're being deceived. And it's just going to grow worse and worse because the Christian life is either moving forward or it's sliding back. There's no neutral in it. You see, you're going to have to get up every day and decide who you're going to follow today. And you've got to move forward. Say move forward. Paul pleads in Ephesians 4.1. He says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Do you believe that? Why do I feel like somebody's sitting out there saying... I don't feel significant enough for God to have called me to do anything. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. It don't matter what, what you think you have to offer to God. You just haven't discovered it yet. God will use little old you, Gideon, and he'll call you a mighty man of valor, and you'll come up out of that wine press, and you'll take on armies. You'll do great things. And don't, you don't have to be afraid because I will be with you, he says. A couple, well, I guess a couple weeks ago now, we took the pool cover off. That's always scary. Did anything get in? You know, during the winter, sometimes it, the wind blows it and it goes in and you wonder how many leaves and all that muck and mud that's on the pool cover slides in. You're hoping that none, you know, I have pulled it off at times and it'd be crystal clear under there. Well, this year we pulled it off, and it was anything but. I mean, it seemed like everything on the top must have fallen in at one point. Leaves everywhere. There was green fuzz growing on the walls of the pool, and it looked like it's probably an alligator in there. I don't know. <laughs> Snakes. I mean, it just looked like a swamp. It was, it was pretty bad. So what do we do? You got to begin to do some maintenance, don't you? When, when you take the, take the cover off, you come out of the darkness, it can't sit there stagnant. Huh? Somebody listening? When you take the cover off, you can't sit there stagnant. What does stagnant water do? It gets worse. There's maintenance to be done. Day by day, things that you got to do to keep that thing crystal clear so that you can enjoy it. So they can, it can serve its intended purpose. Amen? Amen? You got, man, I had to get out there with a, a pole and a net, and I had to get the pump going. You know what? You got to have circulation going on. You got to 
That water's got to be moving. You can't just sit still. It can't get stagnant. You got to keep. I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> I'm here to get you moving today. Amen. You got to get them leaves out of the pool. There's all kind of things. We got this little robot thing that cleans the, the bottom and it gets down in the deep end where we can't get. Sort of like the Holy Spirit in your heart, you know, he gets in those places you can't get. We got to throw salt in the pool that turns into chlorine that kills the, the impureness in the water. Mm, that could preach. Right? And then day by day, we've got to get out there and clean out the, the skimmers and stuff. But, oh, once that pool gets clean, it's on a roll. And people can really enjoy it. Now, last week we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Go ahead and turn there in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Probably one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It's hard to preach a salvation message without going there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to go to verse 16. Now, you'll remember this from last week. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. One time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. They saw him as a man walking along. They didn't understand that he was God. But oh, how differently we see him now. And that's what happens and transpires in a person's life. They begin to see Christ for who he is. He reveals himself to them. And they say, oh, he's my savior, right? They begin to see him as a way out of the miry pit that their life is in. And they say, oh, I need a Savior. And there he is, the way, the truth, and the life. And you recognize him as a Savior. And you reach out to him. And then in verse 17 it says, but this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who has made that decision to make him the Savior, has become a new person. The old life is gone. The cover is taken back, right? And a new life has begun. Say a new life. See, it can't be the same as it was before. It's a new life now. And I can't just see him forever as just Savior, but remember that I confessed him as Lord. The captain of my sanctification. You know what sanctification is? It's a setting apart. I'm set apart for Christ now. He's the God of my godliness. I've got to see him as Lord. Lord means the boss. And he paid the cost to be the boss. He did. He deserves our adoration and praise. Not only that, he deserves our total surrender and trust. I wouldn't advise you to totally surrender somebody you can't trust. He is 100% trustworthy. A new life has begun. Has begun, I mean. He's not just your Savior. At some point, you've got to be converted and start living this thing out. A new life has begun. Sanctification. Sanctification is something that's going to start the moment you're saved, and it's going to last until Jesus comes back. And we're all in different parts of our sanctification. So don't be looking down on your brother because they ain't as far along as you are. We're a hospital of hope, like our banner says. In the hospital, you got some really sick people and you got some people that's getting well. But we're all in different place. 
And so we got to bear with one another. Play in the sandbox nice, Jesus would say. You know, kids, kids, don't be comparing yourselves. That's why he's always telling us to be gentle with one another. Speak the truth, but do it in love. He's just telling us, get along. Let's help each other. We're all in the process. And Jesus is the catalyst for all positive change in our lives. Apart from me, he says, you can do how much? Nothing. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical training is good. Going to the gym, right? But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Oh, if you're following the Lord, you'll eventually hit the gym, <laughs> too. You'll get that as well. But if you keep your focus on Jesus, you're going to have your whole life in balance. Not just your body, but your mind, your spirit. Even your personality will begin to get in line. Some of y'all, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. Y'all know I enjoy preaching too much, don't you? Okay, so what were the seven things that's in the video? Since some of y'all are so hard-headed, you won't watch the video. They're basic things. This is, this is a video made for somebody who gave their heart to Jesus. What do I do now? They, have, they might not even know anything about Christianity. So there's seven basic things. Pray, read your Bible, go to church, get involved in your church, share your faith, Get water baptized if you haven't, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Probably the most important one is getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I can tell you right now, you will never reach the heights to which you were called. You'll never live more than a carnal Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit. So those seven things. Romans 12.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, I know we call that our worship, you know, when we play music on Sunday mornings. And a lot of people see, well, they, you say worship the Lord. They say, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to worship to the music. That's a way to worship. But what this is saying is your whole life, everything, how you behave at work on Tuesday, Huh? That is your spiritual act of worship. That is your reasonable service to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Body, soul, spirit, everything, all that I am is total surrender. I'm going to live it for you day in and day out. This is truly the way to worship him. And, and like I said, along the process, if we're not careful, we begin to see all the changes that God's doing in, there, in my life and say, hey, look at me. Huh? I'm so much better than them. Huh? No, no. Uh-uh. It don't work like that. You know, if you're, if you're thinking like that, that you're better than somebody because you read more Bible than they do, know more scriptures than they do or something, or you're seen more spiritual, maybe you are, guess what? You've just set yourself up for years of humility training. I don't know. 
You listening, Big Joker? You making big changes, but but we all need to keep. Mm, it ain't me. It's Christ in me. It never was me. It never was about me in the beginning. Philippians 1.6 says it like this. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue until it is finally finished on the day Christ Jesus returns. He's the one started it. He's the one continues it. And he is the one that will complete it. And so these seven things in the video, what are they? They're basically just seven processes to lead to that one thing that is the most important thing. And that is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what? Without your love for him, you will not have the willpower to do any of those seven things. If you, don't, if, if, if you get saved because you need a Savior, but you don't l learn to read your Bible, pray, go to church, all these things, you will never fall in love with Christ, and you will just slip back under the cover into the swamp that once was your life. If you don't begin to do the maintenance on your life, your pool would always be stinky. <laughs> stinky pool. Okay. Now I'm going to add some bonus items to those seven real quick. And I'm not going to charge you anything for this. This is free of charge. Number one, just some, some tips beyond that, that, that especially new Christians need to, to remember and some who've, who've been around a while. Always run to God, number one. That, don't, that means whether you're doing good or whether you're doing bad. I know some people, when they get saved, they, uh, they change some things in their life, and all of a sudden God blesses their finances or something, and they get a new house or something. Oh, I see this all the time. They come in here all messed up, and God changes their life, and then they say, well, look at me. I don't need to go to church anymore. I've got it together now. And they run away in the good times. Or, you know, they get saved on Sunday and, and Monday they're watching their pornography again and they say, oh, I done messed this up. One day, I couldn't go one day. And they say, well, I'm not going back to church. You won't want me now. No, 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 not how it works. Always run to God and, and memorize 1 John 1, 9. You're going to need it. It says, if you'll confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. How much? Doesn't it feel good to be all the way clean? Whew. He's not holding a little bit to, to bring back up on you later like we do to ourselves. Well, I believe God forgive me, but I just can't get past it. I know I've messed up, and I just can't come back to church. Man, you're just listening to the devil. You're out. You're, you done got it a little bit away from Jesus, and now the devil's speaking to you. Run to, run to Jesus. Uh, Psalms 18.1 says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me, and he's my place of safety. He's a place of safety for you. 
how are you going to run from him anyway? Where are you going to go? Huh? What are you doing that he, that he don't know about? Okay, so run to God. Number two, how about let's exhibit some transparency in our life? How about, that means no more plastic Christianity. How about let's be honest with where we are. Well, you know, I know it takes a church that allows you to be, but I think that's one of our qualities. Like I said, we're a hospital of hope, and we understand that everybody is in a place right now. And if we'll become a church that allows people not to put on a plastic Christian face when they come to church and deny, you know, that they just killed their wife in the parking lot. <laughs> the body's out there stinking, and they're coming. Hallelujah, brother. Did that happen quick? <clears throat> no, uh, plastic Christianity. You know, I don't stand up here every week and share my dirty laundry for nothing. <laughs> I mean, I tell you about all the dumb stuff I do, all the dumb stuff I've done. Why do you think that you you think that's not on purpose? You think it just slipped out? It's so that you can see. It don't matter if you're a pastor. It don't matter if you're the Pope. You're a human. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, we all at times sin and fall short of the glory of God, whether it's sins of omission or sins of commission. And so we need to be honest. And we struggle. Each of you has a struggle. I think God leaves struggles in our life for a reason. You may be, well, I'm just as close to holy as you can get. But there's something in your life that the devil pushes your button about, and you get awful close to falling in to back under that cover. We all have struggles. And if we would, we would uh, say, use the life groups where iron sharpens iron. You have somebody to talk to. Get an accountability partner. That's one of the things I want you to do before you leave today. I want you to write, a, write your vision and make it plain. I want you to think of things that you can change in your life, whether it's reading your Bible more, get a Bible reading plan, whether it's praying in the morning or something, starting your day with prayer. Some things that you may add to your life, you may have to subtract something somewhere else, but it'll be worth it. The things that I'm talking about today, write you a little plan. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to go to life groups. I'm going to take that next step class that they're always talking about. It'll rock your world. Today, we're going to have a next step class that talks about your spiritual gifts, and you will not leave the same at 1.30 here. Let me get back to my notes here. No more plastic Christianity. Pretending is exhausting. It's counterproductive. And you know what? It's hypocritical. And it's why most people want nothing to do with the church. Because they feel like they got to be somebody they're not when they go into that place. Now, I still want some of y'all to take a shower before you come on Sundays. And, you know, don't get too real. No, just kidding. All right. So always run to God. Exhibit transparency. And begin to view church differently. Y'all think I'm just the world's biggest proponent of church, but Jesus said I'm building my church. That's what I'm doing. And if that's what's, what he's up there doing, 
and that's what we need to be down here doing as well. I'm sorry. I know the, the prevalent thought in a lot of Christians' minds today is, I don't need the church. They've been hurt at some church. They've worn out. They're tired of the plastic Christianity. And they're thinking, well, I don't need all those folks. Well, that's the easy way out. But it's not really. It's not the way you're going to grow. You can't just say, I love Jesus. I have a relationship. Those are some of the squirreliest folks I know. I'm just going to be honest. You weren't meant to live this life totally vertical. Horizontal is part of the equation. It keeps the balance in your life. He, sent, he sends a church. He's building a church for you to be a part of for a reason. Begin to view it less like a duty and more like a celebration at the filling station. Just an expression where you can come and get with your people, your brothers and sisters, and love on God. What the gem is for changing your body The church is for changing your soul. It's a place you become you come to work out that godliness we talked about. You're what? You know, yeah, well, when you give your heart to Jesus, that's what changes your destiny. But it also the church changes your um, what is it when you're going in a direction? It'll change your direction. It'll help you stay on course. That's what it's here for. I believe in the church is the major hub and facilitator of your growth and i wish people would stop saying it as something oh i got to go to church or you know you're just seeing it wrong it's help it's here to help you become a disciple and everything and i don't know about you but this church is we come and learn that we may go and teach making true disciples who would take up their cross and follow the lord that that is what we do. Everything here at the church is designed to get you up and moving and clean your pool and make it presentable before the Lord and make you uh, get into that great commission, into that great commandment, the two greats. That's what, that's what everything we do here. You look at our vision. We've written it and made it plain. Write you a vision. I'm telling you, steal one of the envelopes, steal one of the pens, and then write down, I'm going to stop stealing. And then confess First John 1, 9, and then keep on writing. But make you a plan. Just take baby steps. Okay, I'm going to start the Bible reading plan. Just do take a step. Don't come to church and not change. Haven't we had enough? That's more like the plastic Christianity, where you come to church and just hear a good sermon and walk away unchanged. It's like James says, you look in the mirror and you say, ah, I forget what I looked like. And you walk away unchanged. You're not seeing who you are. This is fun. We got Sunday services, outreaches, passion teams. And like I said, the life groups. Whoa, what a godsend. Take ownership. This is your church. This is the church that Jesus is building for you. And prepare for Sunday services on Saturday afternoons. Stop waking up on Sunday morning saying, do I feel like getting out of bed? Asking your flesh. That, you see all those empty chairs? That's people who hadn't learned that yet. And stop asking your kids, do they want to go to church? Is there not an adult in the house that can make that decision? Uh-oh, I done got in trouble now. There'll come a time where they'll have to be adults and make their own decision, but now it's not the time when they're four years old, you know? 
You've got to train them up in the way that they should go, and then when they're old, they won't depart from it. But let's not go into that. But make your decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to be at church on Sunday. This is vitally important in your transformation and sanctification process. So write all this down and make it plain. Psalms 27, 4 says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. You know, Jesus doesn't ask for a ceasefire. He doesn't want a cessation in the contention between you and him. He asks for total surrender. He gave you all, and he asked for your all. I used to agonize over every dollar that I would put in the, in the plate on Sunday. I used to think I was doing God such a favor just for showing up on Sundays. But then I realized I need to get with the program. And when I did, and I made this step, made, made the surrender, what peace came into my life? What joy. No one I can lay my head on the pillow at night and sleep knowing if I, if I was to die in my sleep, I would just wake up in heaven. Even to die would be a promotion. And to, to know that when I wake up in the morning, joy is going to be there to meet me. His mercy is new every day. His, the sunshine is going to be there again because I can put my feet on the floor in the morning with purpose. And I know there's a reason for my existence. I know that God called me. And I know that no joy in this world compares to knowing that I'm serving him and giving him my best. And seeing, seeing all the fruit in my life. And that's what happens. There begins to be untold fruit in your life. You know, I, I, I came to him because I needed him, but I stay with him now, and I continue to, to give him my all because I love him. Quite simply. Yes, grateful. Anybody else got an adjective they'd like to throw out? There are things that will change your life forever. Like the first time you hear his voice. Or any time you hear his voice. <laughs> Whether it's a still small voice in, in the inside. Or you see a situation that he's arranged in your life. And you know it's him. Or whether you hear an audible voice. And I've heard that. One time he called my name. One time I traveled through space. I mean, I don't know it was in the spirit, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. I was laying in my bed, and it was like I went into a vacuum. <laughs> I felt like I was just traveling through eons. Now, all of a sudden, I stopped, and I was just in this vault of silence. There was not a breath. There was not a ticking of a clock. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Because I'd been asking the Lord for a word. I just kept saying, God, give me a word. And then I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, God. He called my name. And that was over 20 years ago, and it's still rocking my world to this day. What about the first time 
that you lead someone through the sinner's prayer and you affect somebody's eternity. You, had, you, you was the mailman and you delivered the message. What about when you invited somebody to church? Maybe some of you in here, did a, y'all did an awesome job Sunday inviting them to our Easter service. And maybe some of, maybe they're still in, they're in here today. They got saved. How does that make you feel? It's a joy unspeakable. It, it makes you go, it presses you forward. That's why I've been going to the jail for 15 years. We're going tonight. Last week, five people stood up in those orange jumpsuits, gave their heart to Jesus. How many might do it tonight? What if you prayed for us? What if you said, hey, I want to start going down to the jail. I want, to, I, want, I want that fruit on my account in heaven. Some of you are such soul winners, man. I just hope I live in the same neighborhood when we get to heaven. <laughs> and then you begin to see God's faithfulness in your family, and how it affects those around you, your kids. You're not just doing this for yourself. Lighthouses don't say, look at me. Look how beautiful my light is. No, they guide others safely home. And trees produce fruit so that others can be partakers. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you gifts from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You've got gifts. That's what we're going to talk on expressly today in our next step class. We're going to even take a spiritual gifts testing. And you'll find that you got gifts you didn't even know about. And God's asking you to, to get use those gifts and to hone those gifts so, and prune those gifts so that they produce more fruit. I don't guess y'all getting excited like I am. But it's time for the church to start to shine. And I begin, I'm beginning to see a lighthouse when I look out. I'm beginning to see a pool that looks like I want to dive into. And when we become that pool that others want to dive into, we won't lack for anything. We're going we're gonna to do our where. We're going to plant churches all over the world. This little seed, this little acorn, is going to produce far and wide. It's time for the church to shine, to be a cool, clean, Refreshing pool of God's grace, God's mercy, where weary souls can immerse themselves and be loved and washed by the water of God's word. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. That's what we'll say, too. We just got to put the power of the resurrection into action. Jesus says, come follow me, and I'll show you life outside the tomb. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes for one moment. If what I've spoken here today, the word of God that's been spoken here today, has touched your heart. You sang this song earlier, but now sing it with conviction. I give you my heart. Take it all. Take it all. But before we sing it, I want to ask, is there somebody here today or somebody on the live stream that has not made Jesus the Lord of your life? You're still under the, the pool cover. 
You're still living in the darkness. You're still in the swamp. You know there's more to life, and you want you want to breathe. You want to come up out of there. You want somebody to pull the cover back, and Jesus is the only one that can pull the cover back. He's the only one that can roll away your stone so that you can come out of the tomb and truly live. He's saying, trust me. I am the captain of your sanctification. I am the God of your godliness. I am the captain of this ship. I created you with purpose on purpose. You can do all things through me, but you can do nothing without me. Are you still dead in your sins and trespasses? Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Jesus Christ is here today, and his arms are wide open, and he says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest from your weary souls. He died on your cross and paid your sin debt. The sin debt is paid. Now it's only for you to grab the pardon out of his hand and say, thank you, Lord. Make him Lord. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want you to pray with me. Say, God, I know what Jesus did for me. He hung on my cross and he died for my sin. And I repent of that sin and I receive your forgiveness. And Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. God wants to hear it out of your mouth. Say it out loud. Jesus, be my Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give my life direction. Set my course. Take my life. My life is in your hands. Holy Spirit, I will follow you. Jesus, I'm keeping my eyes on you every step. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.